This is Photo Biz X, episode number 507, and today you are in for a challenge. And I say that because today's guest is going to be telling you that you need to have a boutique-style photography business or you risk failing altogether. This is going to be one of those hard-hitting, eye-opening, ton-of-takeaway-style interviews, and I know you're going to love it. Our special guest is none other than Sarah Petty, and that interview is coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here, photographer, interviewer, and host of the Photo Biz X podcast, where I interview guests, amazing guests like Sarah from around the world to help you grow a better photography business, even faster than going it alone. I know you're going to love what Sarah has to share. We are going to get into things pretty quickly today because if you were listening to last week's episode, you will know that I am away on holidays at the moment. Well, kind of holidays. I'm away on a cycling trip with a bunch of buddies cycling in the Victorian Alps of Australia. So the good news is there's going to be less chat from me and a whole lot more from Sarah. So we're going to get into that right, well, in one minute, because I want to quickly remind you that if you didn't catch last week's episode with Michelle Grenier, get back and have a listen to that one. Michelle is a sports photographer, a sports portrait photographer. She's based in Quebec City in Canada, has built a lovely business where she gets to do exactly what she wants to be doing. And whether or not you are interested in sports, I know there will be plenty of enjoyment from what Michelle has to share. In addition to that, she has the most beautiful accent, beautiful French accent, which I am a total sucker for. But aren't we all? (laughs) It's got to be the best accent. So get back and have a listen to Michelle Grenier if you haven't heard that interview yet. Oh, and just quickly... If you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. Now, usually, I would tell you at this point that I am saving the second half or a large portion of the second half for premium members only. But in today's interview with Sarah, I'm only saving a very small portion for premium members. I'm going to leave it to you to decide whether or not you feel like you want to hear what she sharing that you won't be hearing and if you do want to access that part of the interview you can do that for as little as one dollar with a trial membership and there are more details about that at photobizx.com forward slash try welcome to another great eye for business it's time for andrew's special guest today's guest says i don't just teach the boutique business model i use it every single day in my own photography business Before life as a photographer, she was a marketing director at a regional ad agency and in marketing at Coca-Cola. She opened her photography business two weeks before 9-11 as the economy fell apart. She had three kids under three years old and quickly discovered the new business was eating up all her time and all her mental energy. On the verge of burnout, unsure how to make a real profit and basically giving everything away, something had to change. And once she married her skill for marketing with her eye for photography, everything changed. And today she has an incredible studio. She's authored a book, has a podcast, a profitable photography business, and she helps other photographers achieve their goals too. And to top all those things off, she's based in central Illinois and says, if I can be successful here, 
you can succeed wherever you are too. I'm talking about the amazing Sarah Petty, and I am wrapped to have her with us now. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Look, does it feel like you've had a business for as long as you have, or does every day still feel fresh and new? Oh gosh, a little of both. It's kind of like raising children. <laughs> One minute you think, oh, this is so hard. And the next minute you're like, where did these last 22 years go? My twins are 22 now. My business turns 25. Well, in February, it's been 25 years. So by the time everyone's listening to this, it will be into 26 years. So the thing I'm most grateful for is that I just love what I do every single day. So I want it to continue forever. <laughs> <laughs> so you have been doing this for over, you know, over two decades. Do you, or are you at a point where like, you're just happy with your business and you want to sustain it rather than always trying to grow it? I, f I feel like every photographer is like just grinding forever. Like, is there ever a point where you can just, okay, it's time to just cruise and enjoy it. I don't know. I was a college athlete and I just like to grow. I like to win. I like to compete against my numbers from last year. So for me, there's an internal drive to make more easier. I want to work less and make more. I want to have more family time. And of course, back in 2005, I started speaking around the United States and I've spoken outside of the United States some too, but I started speaking about business because people were saying, how are you succeeding? How are you doing it? So I started my second company, Joy Marketing, where we teach photographers all over the world how to market and price and sell and basically compete with free. So that's been a big challenge for me over the years of growing two companies. I see a lot of people in the industry, they're like, oh, I'm just going to sell things to photographers and they close their photography business, which I never want to do. I built my dream studio and I love it. And I've had to get through the pandemic. I've had to figure out how do, how do I get framing done? My framer is older and has health concerns and all the things that I've had to get through. So it just, when you're teaching business, you, I believe, have to still be doing it. And so, yeah, I mean, in a portrait photography business, you know, there's sort of a sweet spot that you get to from about 250 to 350, 400. Thousand? Thousand a year. Yeah. Yep. Not clients. Sorry. I should have been specific. Yeah. So once you hit 250,000, if you're managing your business well up to about 350, 400, you can be doing that full time, like part time, but with a ton of flexibility. And then once you, like I had a friend who wanted to go from a half a million dollar photography business to a million, she killed herself and got to that million, but didn't have a bigger net. So, and I've been looking at financials. Like I love the numbers of photography. I love the numbers of business. I have an MBA, like I geek out over the numbers, but there's just that sweet spot between 250 and like 400 where you have a high net and you can live a great life. It's a great second income. Like if you have a, a partner or a spouse who has an income and you want to have total flexibility, um, you know, I was doing that with three little kids and it was just, it was so fun. Yeah. Awesome. So when you say 250K turnover or revenue, what do you automatically think of? If I say to you, Sarah, uh, yeah, I'm bringing in 250K. What do you think my net is? What do you assume it is? Yeah. So PPA, Professional Photographers of America, did a benchmark study where they took numbers of photographers all over the United States and put them in a benchmark study to see like best performing versus average. 
And the average studios, or I shouldn't say studios, they did a home-based one in a retail, but many photographers are home-based or just location only. And that is like averages, I mean, best performing is what I always look at, like 35 to 45% home-based, some are up to as close to 50%. So if you have a home-based photography studio in the US and you're doing 300,000, I would hope you're bringing home 130 to 150. Yeah. You're putting that in your pocket. I'd agree with that. Yeah. I mean, to me, 50% is a pretty good round figure. Yeah. And that, that would be my assumption. So is it the same you feel from 250, say, to 400, 450? It should be around the same. Yeah. Yeah. You start to get economies of scale because when you're little, you know, one big investment takes a big chunk of your budget. So if you have a part-time employee who's kind of cost of sales because they're editing, retouching, as you're bigger, they're going to be able to do other things. And you have just, you can outsource some things and really run it in a very cost-effective, efficient way. And that's where the money goes to your pocket. Sure, sure. So what do you think, or for the photographer that's listening that wants to get to 300K, I mean, that sounds like it's achievable. Like, is that something you can do on your own or do you need to be outsourcing? Do you need to have staff? Oh, good question. So the rule of thumb for what you can invest in and spend for an employee is 10%. Like when they did that benchmark study, you know, sometimes I'm higher. I beat the benchmark study in most things. In fact, I was named one of the most profitable photographers in the United States in that study. That's why I started getting noticed and people were like, wait, what's she doing? So that's the study that I always refer to when, you know, I'm talking about that because I think it's important when you're taking business advice to take it from someone who knows how to make money, right? I see so many people out there teaching who I've seen some of their book works, some of their book work. And I know like you're not making any money. You should not be teaching this. But, you know, if you're at 300,000 to run an efficient business, you've got like $30,000 to play with potentially to still keep your net margin. So you likely are going to need some help. But like when I teach my students, I'm really thrifty. I get them to trade, you know, they can outsource their editing and retouching without hiring an employee. So it's cost of sales, you know, per image, what the cost is, you build it into your price and it it's, doesn't increase your cost at all because it's built into your pricing. So there's some creative ways to do it. But I thought what you were asking was, can they do it on their own without support? And my answer is going to be, heck no. I mean, can you crop maybe with enough struggle, but I just feel like I I get so frustrated because so many people are copying their competitors who have broken business models and they're copying the wrong people. And when I first started, I was like, who's doing this, right? Somebody out there is making money doing this. I'm a smart, intelligent person. If they can do it, I can do it too. And I was just on a mission to figure it out. And that's what I love about this day and age. Back when I started 25 years ago, barely an internet. (laughs) I hate to be that person, right? I'm so old, but barely an internet. So we couldn't just Google. We couldn't text. We didn't have voice box. We didn't have all the things that we have now. So I would go to a national convention. I would say, dig money out of the sofa, find a way to go study with someone. And I'd get there and I'd find out they're not making any money. They're a great photographer, but they're not making any money. And I think that I love what you're doing and and I have a podcast too. I think it's so important for us to educate people that, you know, I believe taking advice, my filter is, you know, are they making money? If I'm taking money-making advice, 
And are they living a life that I want to live? You know, for me, I'm all about making money and putting family first. You got people like Gary Vaynerchuk, who's like, just work all the time. I'm sorry. I'm a mom. I have three kids. I don't want to do that. There has to be a better way. And so that's what I work really hard on teaching photographers that they can make money and have a life. So find somebody to be your mentor, whomever it is, find somebody, invest in them. You're going to make that money back quickly. You write it off and then you're getting there faster. For sure. Okay. That's my soapbox. I love that. I I love the fact too, that you said like, if you're bringing in 300,000, there is 10% to play with, to utilize on the business or in the business. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you can hire someone for wherever you are, 15 to 25 bucks an hour, if you're doing that work, you're paying yourself 15 to 25 bucks an hour. Agreed. Right? So, I mean, you choose. Do you want to hire it and make more with the skills that you have? Or do you want to be sitting and doing those tasks? That's where it gets fun. For sure. Now, you threw out the term there, cost of sales. So cost of sales and cost of goods are two things that get thrown around a lot. What do those two terms mean to you and how should they affect the listener? Yeah. So really, they're the same thing. Your cost of goods sold cost of sales, people abbreviate it COGS. I hear people say COGS sometimes. Most people just call it cost of sales because it's shorter than cost of goods sold. But really your cost of goods sold are the things that go into creating the product that the client ordered. So you guys who are listening, if it's overwhelming, don't be overwhelmed, okay? You can ask yourself, if I didn't have a client, would I have to pay for this? So if I have a client who ordered a wall portrait, And that client goes away, I don't have to order that wall portrait anymore. But if I have a studio, whether I have a client or not, I have to pay that cost. So that doesn't factor into my cost of sales. So we look at cost of sales and keeping that number as low as possible. Um, I am, as you mentioned in the intro, I'm in a cornfield in central Illinois. Well, you left out the cornfield part, which makes it even better, right? I'm in the middle of a cornfield. I don't have wealthy clients, maybe a few, but for the most part, we're like, middle America, hardworking people. And my cost of sales with archival framing, highest quality materials, I keep under 16%. You know, the benchmark, you want to be closer to 20, 25, for sure less than 25. And here's where most people go wrong. They don't add their time for editing and retouching. So they go, oh, I bought this print from my lab for $15. If I charge $18, I'm making money. And no, that's not. And then they're up all night editing and retouching going, why am I not making any money? So that gets a little trickier. Okay. So just let me back you up there. So let's say a print, a wall art piece costs $100. So you're saying that plus the time that goes into the editing should make up only 25% or 25% maximum of the cost to the client. Yeah. So if you add up the editing, retouching and and your framing, if it's framed, the shipping, if you have to ship it to you, a lot of labs include that, but whatever it takes, packaging, credit card fees, and say that all adds up to be $25, you want to be charging at least $100. And it gets tricky, you know, for our students, we created a spreadsheet for them that calculates everything for them based on where they are in their costs, because it can be overwhelming. Like technically we take an average of the first six orders, the first six retouch prints, because, you know, you're spending time up front to build the presentation and then each image, like it goes faster if you have a series. So I don't like people to get overwhelmed, but just making sure for here that they know the costs are not just their hard costs. They also have to account for their time. So what I have people do too, 
if they want is they can outsource it, like get a quote for outsourcing what that would cost. And then you have an actual number, right? Right. Cause what if you get sick, right? What if you get COVID and you have orders that need to be turned around and now you're paying someone it's not your time anymore. It's an actual cost that it has a value and it's worth something. For sure. And the big mistake that I'm sure you would agree with is if someone buys or pays you know, for an 8 by 10 and it costs them, say, $10 from the lab, the biggest mistake you could make is multiply that by four and sell it for $40. Yeah. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Okay. hundred percent. And look, I'm guilty of it too. I had an MBA. I'd worked as a marketing director at an ad agency. I grew up in an entrepreneurial family and I was, I was just a hobbyist, got pregnant with twins. And I just didn't want to go back to all those working, all those hours. And I had this little hobby business built up and I thought, well, I'm going to do this. And I, you know, thought to myself, it can't be that hard, right? Like I'm good at this stuff. I, I love this stuff. And I still was like, well, I, I paid this. So if I just charge a little more and learned really quickly, there was no money in my bank account. You know, I'd left a, va- a salary with benefits and vacation. And so it's not, it's, while it's not hard, it's easier than you think. And once you learn it, we always say with pricing, like with our students, here's how you do it, make a couple key decisions and then set it and forget it. Once you're profitable, you're good. Now let's go teach you how to market and how to add, you know, attract clients who love what you do and aren't going to be freaking out over your prices. You know, those price sensitive clients that are just looking for cheap, we call them cheaple, freeple, cheaple people. (laughs) (laughs) So for you, if we use you and your business as an example, like what comes first? So you're struggling, you're a good photographer, you've got clients, but you're making no money. Do you increase your prices? Because in the intro, I said, you know, you married your marketing skills with your photography. Like, did you put your prices up first or do you get better at marketing to find better clients? Like, which one comes first? Okay, so here's the secret. Do you want to know the secret? Sure. They have to come at the same time. Because if you go out and get clients and you're cheap, you're getting the wrong clients. So then when you try to raise your prices, you've got a mess. So I always talk about it kind of like, We've got a fast food restaurant and we've got a sit down restaurant, right? The fast food restaurant, they're inexpensive, they're quick, they're fast. They're not necessarily bad quality. I mean, McDonald's French fries are really good. (laughs) So it's not just a quality, but it's quick. You don't even know them. You just, they stick their hand off the window, take your money, give you your bag and you're gone. And I kind of equate that to when you're a photographer, portrait photographer, who just gives people a CD of digital files. I'm against it. I don't think we're serving the client. They don't want to go print. They don't know how to print it. They don't know how to color correct it. And what's the proper size to put on their wall? And where do they get framing, et cetera, et cetera. Then you've got this sit-down restaurant, right? Where you go in, you make a reservation, your family is planning on spending a bunch of time there. And you might order a glass of wine or a bottle of wine. And you might have appetizers and some extra veggies and then a dessert at the end. And you laugh and you have fun. When the bill comes, do you expect it to be higher or lower than McDonald's? Of course, higher. Of course, higher, right? And you value it because you you see all the amazing things. So and you can't go and get clients for a restaurant if you don't have every part of that restaurant, right? You have to have the menu. You have to have the prices. You have to have the service. You have to have the whole process, You can't market your McDonald's, right? I'm just going to be cheap and just give raw, you know, basic stuff or put together a cheap package and market like the sit down restaurant. 
So really, I think that's where most photographers, I've been doing this and teaching photographers for my entire career, teaching business owners, I've taught at the college level. They all want, when businesses come in, they just want more customers, right? Everything's fine in my business. I just need more customers. You know, what should I do? This or this? It's sort of like if someone's overweight and they came in and said, I want to lose a hundred pounds. Should I buy a Nordic track or a Peloton? Well, that's the wrong question. And you really asked it. What comes first? Like the business model comes before the marketing comes before everything. It's figuring out what does your restaurant look like? So I'm I'm in agreement with you, but the scary thing is the step for the photographer who's doing the shoot, who's doing the McDonald's photography and they want to become the high-end restaurant or the boutique photographer. That's a scary step because everything pretty much comes to a grinding halt as you make that change. Like when you flick that switch. It doesn't have to. Like literally we have a program that we teach photographers in two months. We hold their hand and they do each step. I go, do this first thing. We scrub through their brand. We get them legal. The next day we're to the next thing. And then we have a conversation, you know, the seven B's of the first phone call. They go out, they get a client. I teach them eight marketing activities. In two months, they've completely converted to boutique. And it pains me when people take years and they go, oh, well, this year I'm just going to work on my portfolio. No, eight weeks, you can have it done, right? So that's why I kind of went on my soapbox earlier. Someone else has figured it out. Like so many people are guessing at it, thinking it's so hard. It's really not that hard if you have a flawless proven system to follow. I like that. I thought you were going to say, Andrew, what's the difference? They've got no money in the bank anyway, so they've got nothing to lose. They may as well take the big step. Well, and I mean... You know, you buy a camera for $5,000, but you don't want to invest $5,000 in learning how to make money. I mean, I Googled once for photography franchises and they were like 40, 50 grand. And then they take a chunk of your profits. We have the least investment you need to be profitable and start a photography business and the highest margins of almost anything out there other than, of course, digital products. But I mean, as far as products that people are selling, you know, car dealers might make 1% of their gross and be giddy about it. Restaurants, 3 to 5%. We can make 35 to 50%. Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's worth it. I mean, it really is. Uh, yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, so you focus a lot or use the term boutique, boutique business model, boutique studio, boutique photographer. What is it to be a boutique photographer? Yeah. So a boutique photographer is that business model that's like the sit-down restaurant that has the experience. Everything's custom. Your dinner at a restaurant is cooked to order versus McDonald's. You get one kind of hamburger. If it's really meat, I don't know. (laughs) But you know what you're getting, right? It's all in a box. You get it quickly. It serves the need. But boutique is about the experience. It's about the relationship. It's about so many different things that are there to serve the client and holding their hand through their ordering, through everything, making it so easy and selling beautiful custom finished artwork. And, you know, I think where people get stuck to is trying to be somewhere in the middle, Right. If you want to do and you like, I don't want to learn how to talk to people and build relationships. I just want to attract clients because I'm cheap and I'm good. You know, 200 bucks, I'll give you all the images. Do it right and make 200 bucks at a time. Get it down to where you don't give a lot of stuff and you can do it quickly and you can make, you know, some okay money. I think your life's kind of stinky because you're up all night editing, retouching. Or be boutique, right? Be the sit down restaurant that you serve people and you're getting averages, you know, in the thousands. 
2000, 5000. I had a student who just did my program in four months, did $80,000. Amazing. Brand new. Didn't believe in herself, was a hot, broken mess, didn't think she could do it. So people can do it. It's the people in the middle who are like, I'm going to give some and I'm going to put in a package with some prints and I'm going to put up the gallery online and let them order prints. But they realize nobody does. That's stuck in the middle. And if you see it in the market, your Walmarts are thriving, your Nordstrom's and your Lord and Taylor, your your Neiman's are thriving. And then your JCPenney's are struggling, your people in the middle, your Dillard's and Famous Bar. Where did all those stores go? I don't know if you have those in Australia, but... No, but I don't know what you mean. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's painful. So you've got to be low end or high end to survive today. Is that what you're saying? I believe so. Absolutely. Because the reality is if you're somewhere in the middle, it's the hardest to get clients because you're not the cheapest, right? So the people who are just looking for cheap, you know, I just, I'm hungry. Like you've been on the interstate where you just need fast food. You're like, I'm gonna eat McDonald's. I just need something fast and quick. There are people that feel that way about photography. I just need something quick. I don't even care how good it is. I'll just whatever. Um, and then you've got people who want and are taught how to want the beautiful, the big artwork. And if you're marketing like the low end person, like on price, you're in the middle, you're competing with people on price, but you're not attracting the people who really value, like we have a steakhouse in the US, I don't know if it's there, but called Ruth's Chris. And it's like 500 bucks to get in and out of there for two people likely. I mean, it's very expensive. It's delicious. So is the person that wants Ruth Chris going to go to like a Ponderosa steakhouse where you like take your tray and go through the line? You know, it's (laughs) not McDonald's, but it's not high end. No, they want everything that comes with being custom Does that make sense? Absolutely. So the people in the middle, who does that appeal to? Yeah, Yeah, I get it. So tell me then about you and your business, because I think this will be super valuable for so many of us. You live, I mean, you described it in a (laughs) cornfield. So like middle class area. So let's say someone calls you, they saw an ad or they responded to a promo that you're running. They don't know any friends that have had a photography session with you. So they don't really know your pricing. They might be calling up for a McDonald's style shoot. Sure. Okay. Are you trying to convert them to the the boutique model or are you going to say, hey, I'm probably not the photographer for you. Go and call these people. Okay. So if I did what your second suggestion or part of your question was, I would have no clients. Right. Okay. Everybody, (laughs) they don't know what to ask. Right. So they're like, what are your digital file packages? Right. So the thing is, that's interesting is the consumers are not looking for what a boutique photographer has. So imagine if all there was in your market was fast food restaurants, McDonald's, Hardee's, Arby's, and you never had gone into a restaurant and sat down, but a new restaurant came in town called, you know, something you've only been to McDonald's Arby's and it's called Petty's, let's say Sarah Petty's restaurant. <laughs> you call up and you're like, yeah, how much do you have like a happy meal type thing where I can get a burger and fries and a drink for my kids? Like what, how much is that? Um, and what exactly does that look like? I'm not just going to go, Oh, look down the street is McDonald's Arby's Hardee's, right? I'm going to say, Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you called. Let me explain to you. Let me learn a little about what you're looking for. I'm going to give you prices, whatever, and I'll explain what we do different, right? So I have seven steps that I teach photographers to go through. We call them the seven Bs, starting with building rapport. That's actually number two. But we go through these steps. um, And one of the key things, we always say big doors swing on little hinges. One of the biggest sentences that I teach my students to say is, 
I'm going to give you pricing and explain all of that. But before I do that, I want to share what makes us different because we are different than any other photographer in this city. Okay, just like this restaurant would say, I'm not like anywhere you've ever been. So let me explain what we do differently. And then we go through all the things that make us different. And that's how we create value. That's why I tell people, get your prices off your website. Because if they see the Ruth's Chris prices and they've only had McDonald's, they'll be like, what? That's insane. I'm never going there. But once you learn what Ruth's Chris has, you're like, I want to go there for my birthday. That is amazing. Okay. And so I'm fine letting go and telling my clients, look, there are photographers all over you looking for scrapbook images or things for social media or whatever. I'm sure there are a million photographers out there. You come to me for the special times in your life. And I have a whole plan of what those are, you know, the new baby and then the baby sitting up and standing and like before they lose their baby teeth at four and a half, I want a large wall portrait. So like I educate them every step. And I'm okay not being the only restaurant they go to because we don't go to Ruth's Chris every night. We go there first. We we don't even have one here. (laughs) I try to catch it once in a while when I travel. But if we did have one here, we would go there maybe once a year, maybe every couple of years for like special occasions. Mm -hmm. That's how I see my boutique business fitting into my clients' lives. I don't get possessive or jealous or crazy when I see on Facebook that they've been somewhere else. It was probably their sister right? And I know they're not making money. So I also know that what I do for them, nobody knows how to do for them. And I know that sounds weird, but the reality is I'm not even the best photographer. It's because I serve them and I make it so easy for them to love the artwork. I show it to them on their walls digitally. So they have no fear. They're like, oh my gosh, that's perfect. I love it, Sarah. So, you know, I make it just so easy for them. And so back to your original question on when I'm talking to them on the phone, good sales is about finding out what people want and seeing if we're a good fit for each other. When I was single, I'm married, but back when I was single, I didn't go, oh, there's a good looking guy over there. I'm going to go see if he'll marry me. No, I go talk to him. Like, what is he interested in? Am I interested in the same thing? Maybe I want to hang out with him more, right? Same thing in business. We're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing us. I don't want somebody who's going to be a pain in the rear or um, not want wall portraits. That's what I do. So if they're like, I just want digital files. So you mean I have $200 and you're not going to give me all the digital files? No, I, I don't do that. I rarely get that because every time I got an answer or response I didn't like, I realized it's because of something I did or didn't say in that conversation. So I'd I'd go back and I'd go, okay, how could I explain better what I do so that they aren't freaking out at the end saying, well, I can't get digital files for $200 because that's just not what I do. So by the time, I mean, I've worked on this system for 15 years, I've taught it to photographers and where it'd go wrong, I'd go back and I'd go, okay, how can they say it different? I changed my formula and now it's a well-oiled machine. Photographers learn it, they plug in and they're booking people. They're booking right people. And I think that's the biggest place photographers go wrong. They think marketing's job is to book clients. It's not. Marketing's job is to generate leads. What we say to them is what books them. Don't be afraid to talk to them. And so once you book them on the phone, you talk about price, right? Believe in your price. That's the fifth B of our Bs. Believe in your prices. I'm sure I'm more expensive than probably anyone listening. And I have been for about 17 years. And so. I believe in it. I believe to my core that people should have 
this artwork. They can go buy a new car and drive it off the lot and it depreciates 10 grand, $10,000 of portraits they're going to treasure and love forever, right? So I know I'm worth it. Did you believe in your pricing before you actually believed in it? Like, did you have to teach yourself to believe that you're worth what you are? Or did you have to just get over yourself and go, you know what, I'm worth this? That's a really good question. It's funny because most businesses compete with cheap, right? Someone's doing it cheaper. But as photographers, we compete with free because everyone has a digital camera. I opened my first studio two weeks before 9-11, had this grand opening. But that was the summer I realized I'd had my twins. I was getting all these clients. I was getting referred and I was charging $75, giving them the hand printed black and white proofs that were costing me $65, telling myself they were going to order later and they weren't. And I realized I can't do this anymore. So I went to my first convention. I tracked a couple people down who shared with me how to price for profit. I came back. I did it. I went all in. I didn't dabble. I wasn't like, I'm going to inch them up. I went all in. I got this studio. I got a projector. I changed my system. And it was a low-end studio. I had bars on the windows. It was like, I didn't have any furnishings. Like I bought paint to like try to cover up all the, you know, spots on the walls and everything. And uh, I just made the decision. I think I was, I was, I had these two yummy new little babies and I knew I wasn't going to work the next 15 years of their lives away. Like I had a job with benefits and a vacation and this was working a lot. I was leaving my babies, paying for childcare to take photos of other people's babies and I was going to get paid for it. So I learned how to do it, barely, came back, created my prices and I, I had to have a little self pump up talk. And I just said to myself, like, you either are going to get it or you're going to go do something else. Like you're not going to hobble along for years broken. And then immediately I had some clients who are like, Sarah, I love you. You're amazing. But I knew one day you'd figure out that you were underpriced and I wouldn't be able to afford you anymore. And I was like, hey, I love you. We can be friends. It's all good. But I wanted to put my family first. And I started getting these amazing clients who were gushing on everything, loving it, loving the attention. And then they would send their friends. And I, I was an ad agency marketing director. So the marketing part is my jam. I, I was bringing clients in once I figured out how to get the orders up. And my first, when I opened my studio on a little side note, that's kind of fun. I opened the studio and I was like, Sarah, you know how to market, go market, you know, use your marketing. Cause I was really scared to market because I wasn't a good photographer. I wasn't a trained photographer. So I was like, how can I market myself? I'm such a fraud. But I was like, I just love those babies so much. And so I did. And my first client who came in, her name was Julie, invested $1,800. Wow. And I just was like, OMG. I was making $10. I was making $75 with $10 profit. And she just gave me $1,800. Like my mind was blown. I started doing the math and I was like, okay, I could actually make a living doing this. Amazing. And so in my community, we have an event every year called Go Boutique Live. It's end of February, early March every year. And we celebrate our students who have gotten their jewelry. So if it's an order over $1,000, we call it a Julie. So all over in our groups are like, I got my Julie. I got another Julie. <laughs> so cool. They started that. I didn't, which is so fun. But I think that's what happened. I mean, we all have fear. You're never going to get around the fear. But I kind of sat the fear next to me in the car. And I said, okay, if you got to if you gotta be here, we're going together. And you're coming with me. If I can't get you out of the car, you're coming with me. 
And, uh, I think some of it was just, I was dumb, you know, I didn't know better. So I'm like, I'm just going to go for it. So good. Uh, yeah. So and good. It, it's just so much fun. So with the way that you talk to the clients on the phone, the way you tell them about your boutique business model and what you can do for them, could you, or do you run a promotion? Let's say on Facebook, Facebook ad, giving away a free session. Let's just say you do this. I just want to give you an example because I can see you're, you're shaking your head. You're like, she, for the listener, Sarah's there shaking like, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. You can't look at me now. You're like, okay, here's my question. So no, let's just say that you ran an ad on Facebook, giving away a free session, and you're going to include a credit that's going to maybe get them a small print. Could you run that ad and convert those leads into your boutique clients? Or is that too much of a stretch? Could I? Yes. Or could anyone? Could I? I could. Oh, well, if you could, then no. I could, can't I? But could I? Yes. But would I? No. Could you? Sure. Okay. But should you? So would Ruth's Chris do that? Why would Ruth's Chris do that? Right? The nice restaurant. Because your best clients, that's not how you attract them into your business. Okay. So if I were a $200 digital file photographer, that's when I would use Facebook ads. Keep in mind, we do Facebook ads. We're really good at them. I have a staff of like 12 people and um, I have MBAs. I have a whole Facebook ad team. Like I know what it takes. You have to write copy. You have to have creative, but you also have to have an offer. So if you have to have an offer, you are going to attract free full cheap people likely, right? Who are looking for a deal. And what happens is they're all excited. They come in and they take their free thing and they take their credit and they peace out. Okay. So if you're really good at sales, you can either A, weed those people out on the phone call by following, like we have the seven Bs. I could spot them and I wouldn't even let them in. So if I got 10 leads, I probably could find one really great client and I wouldn't book the other nine. The average photographer, however, would book them all and then be have so much head trash because you get one wrong person in and then they're whining and they're yelling at you and they got it all, but they didn't get it fast enough and they didn't get it the right this and the right that. And they're the hardest clients to serve, which is why I say I wouldn't do, I don't need to do it. Why do I need to spend that much money when my marketing strategies rely around relationships and, and starting conversations and putting myself in a, we call it like the slug bug, you know what a Volkswagen Beetle is? Yes. It's called punch buggy in some countries. You see a Volkswagen Beetle, you punch your sibling and you're like, point. That's how marketing works best for boutique businesses. Like I teach my students this. This is how I built my business and been in business 25 years. I go out in my market. I'm maybe at a chamber activity or I'm speaking to a small group and I, and I use different strategies to get that slug bug to appear. They're in our everyday life, right? You have to train yourself to look for them and they're everywhere in your everyday life. And do the numbers here. 50 clients at a $2,000 average is a six-figure business. Yeah. We talked earlier about getting to 300,000. Get to 100,000 first. Right. Not by having 3,000 clients, right? That's brutal. <laughs> sure, sure. So, you know, can it be done? Sure. If you are have great copywriting skills, great creative ad design skills, great offer writing skills, and you can sell, you can make that work. But you're going to have to do an investment. So you got to make sure you have the time to make the extra money to pay for all those ads. 
That's right. Okay, so let's scrap the ad idea. <laughs> so I'm going to challenge you to give me and the listener one strategy to get a boutique or a series of boutique clients into the business. Because whenever I interview higher-end photographers, boutique photographers, I always get wishy-washy answers about how to get these clients. No one ever says, you know, they, they throw out, uh, and, and no offence to you, you know, networking. Yeah. I'm like, what, what is it? That doesn't help the listener. Like, how do we go from the $200 client to the $2,000 client? Where are they? Premium members of Photobiz Exposed hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest. Sarah, this has been amazing. You didn't back down one little bit when I pushed you, which is unreal. Thank you so much. I've got one more question I want to ask you. I want to be conscious of your time. Before I ask you that question, you've mentioned the joy of marketing a few times now. Like, is that an actual program? Is it ongoing? Is it, do you have entries certain times of the year? How does that work? Yeah. So the company is Joy Marketing and we have two basic programs. We have a two month program called Boutique Breakthrough where it's a workshop and I have coaches in there. We have curriculum that I've been teaching for years and I keep fixing, making better. So it's like, go do these things, come get coached, do the next thing, get coached. And at the end of that, when I did that and I got it really tight, people, the students were like, Sarah, we want more. We want more. So I have a 12 month program where students come to me twice a year. We have speakers. We have like, that's where we launched new campaigns We have one called Pooch Playoffs that they're all doing right now, January, February, March, that goes with the March Madness brackets and it's support, it's coaching, it's accountability. So I just encourage people to educate themselves, right? We have a blog, we have a podcast called the Worth Every Penny Joycast every Tuesday. We put a lot of free content out. We have challenges. Come in. If you're interested, come and check out some of our free stuff and see like, does this resonate? Do I like this model? Could I listen to this person talk? <laughs> Maybe, you know, like there's a mentor for everyone and you don't have to just jump at the first person you meet. But also I think everyone listening should be looking for a mentor. Who can I hire that's been there that can teach me how to get there faster, which is why we put out so much content because we want people to make a good choice. We want them, if they want to have a higher average and serve people on a higher level and be that, that it doesn't mean like, pretentious, you know, snooty business. Cause when I started, I didn't have any money. My friends didn't have any money, but I knew just like a waiter at a really expensive restaurant, like we can serve anybody. And I just, no one photographed me as a child. So there are no photos of me. And so I'm just driven for people to have printed big artwork and I love it. And so that's why I'm on a mission to educate the market. And if people are listening and they're like, you know what? I just really like the digital file model. Awesome. Go all in on it and be great. And even if you just want extra money. So I just appreciate you let me share to people who maybe have never been aware that like there's another way to make money other than just selling more CDs for 200 bucks. Right? <laughs> totally so, agree. I do. I agree. I agree. And, and I, I love, I love the model. You have. I mean, who doesn't want to work less, serve less clients, but have better clients with higher profits. I mean, that sounds amazing. And I think everyone's interest will be peaked. That's not already doing 250 to 400 K because that would be amazing if every photographer could be doing that. I'm going to add links, Sarah, to anywhere and uh, everything that you mentioned, including the joy of marketing. And I think you're going to have a resource or two available for listeners. So I'll add a link to that when this goes live. I know we're running short of time, but the very last thing I want to ask you is you said, do not put your prices on your website. That, that's a huge one. Do you have a starting at price or what's your philosophy? What's your feeling on this? 
I love it. You were like, wait, I got to go back to that one. That's such a good one. I know people were like, wait, what? Yeah. And sometimes people will go, I don't want to be tricked like that. How dare you not put your prices? I don't. And and look, I get it because I'm always looking at things from the viewpoint of the consumer. So it's not meant to trick the consumer. I will, after I speak to them on that first phone call, whether it's in person or on the phone or whatever, I go through my prices. But before I give them the prices, I have to create the value, okay? And in the absence of value, price is an issue, okay? So just like I gave the example about all the sit-down restaurants and people have never eaten at a sit-down restaurant before, I mean, all the fast food restaurants, and now they're going to a website potentially of this sit-down restaurant and they're looking at, you know, meals start at $37 and you're like, well, gosh, I can feed my whole family for $37 at McDonald's. No way. I'm not going there when it's like not even the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I know people do this out of fear. That's why I get so many contract questions. Like, where do I get all the contracts? And I'm like, you're a portrait photographer. What do you want a contract for? I mean, you need a model release, right? Now yeah. you're like, wait, what? <laughs> no, 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 I agree. But what happens though, because your work is amazing. You must be getting calls or emails or, or inquiries from people that want the fast food that really can't afford the boutique, the sit-down restaurant. Like you've, you've got to cull through all that. But I need to talk to them first. I can't judge that. And I don't want them to judge themselves because let me tell you what, I've had some of my best clients that would probably not have gotten through a filter like that. I'd one brand new young couple just had a baby and that they were, it was the love of their life, just starting their careers. Right. And they have multiple of this. They sat down and they're watching the presentation and he looks at her and said, let's get the big one. And she said, are you sure? And he said, we can get the sofa. Let's pause the sofa. We can get it later. We can't get this later. Wow. And I do payment plans. Like if people want it, people are spending money they don't have and can't afford on all kinds of junk in the world. I'm not going <laughs> to tell them they shouldn't spend it with me because they're going to go to Costco next week and spend a couple thousand, you know, 900 bucks on junk. I want them to know this is the coolest way for them to put their money. Like literally what other than food and clothing and the basics, what else could cause you more and give you more happiness than images that you look at that just give you goosebumps when you look at it, right? And as your kids get older and you look at that little baby with those stocky little legs and all those four little kids you have like in a pile, like screaming and whatever, (laughs) like that to me is the best place anyone can spend their money. And so, you know, I think if people dig into their belief of why it's so important to them and remember that when you're talking to people and they get sassy of like, why don't you do this? And why don't you do that? I say, Hey, I do this because no one fought for me. And if you want to go get digital files or whatever, like just please print them, you know? (laughs) Uh, And if it's too expensive, that's fine. But you know what I find in all these years of people taking these calls and I've trained Andrea, she takes most of them now. We never have angry people. If they realize they're not a fit, they go, I didn't even know that existed you know what? I just don't, it's not something for me. I don't, they might say, I don't have the money. I don't, I just don't want that. You know, I just wanted a CD, but thanks. Thanks for taking time to talk to me. That's pretty cool. But you'd be surprised how many of them are like, I didn't even know this existed. Right. It's different than if they knew about it, weren't wanting it. And I'm shoving it down their throats. Most of them don't even never even thought about 
decorating their homes with, you know, their baby's room with the giant base of their baby or in their living room, a family photo of all the kids on the trampoline with their hair flying, right? I paint those pictures for them when I'm talking to them. Your website can't do that when it says starting at. Right. I wish we could spend like a whole day of you just firing all the hard questions at me. Because well, yeah. I love it. I love it. I've made every mistake. I've heard every question. And I'm still this. I have this much conviction that all day long, it's worth what I charge. Right. All day long. All day long. I love it. Sarah, I love it. And as you're talking, as you're sharing your knowledge, I'm thinking, all right, when can we get Sarah back on? Which month in the year? <laughs> because we've got to do a follow-up. So I'll come back and we can dig in on sales if you want, or we can dig in on wherever you want to dig in, or you could ask your audience. That's cool. Because All right, let's do that. Let's do that. That's why it's important to have a mentor who's doing it. Like I've had every hard question thrown at me. Right. And people will go, yeah, but my market's different. I have all these competitors. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> I'm teaching my competitors. <laughs> That's so good. Anyway. All right, Sarah, we're going to follow up. I'm going to let you go back to your family. Massive thanks for coming on. You are incredible. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Sarah as much as I did. How amazing is she? There had to be a ton of takeaways, a ton of wake up moments particularly if you have a photography business that is servicing that middle part of the niche or that middle part of society. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'd love to get your feedback on this one. Let me know in the comments area of the show notes. This week, they're at photobizx.com forward slash 507. There's a comments area at the bottom of that page. In addition to that, there are examples of Sarah's incredible work. There are links to anything and everything that she mentioned. It's all there in that one spot. And of course, if you are a premium member, I'll be adding Sarah into our members Facebook group. So you'll have easy access to her there as well. Maybe there was a a question I didn't ask. Maybe you just want to say thanks for coming on and sharing what you did. You can do that inside the members Facebook group. Oh, and don't forget to go and check out photobizx.com forward slash joy of marketing. So it's photobizx.com forward slash joy of marketing. And you can get access to the three-day slow season marketing sprint and book your next client faster training. It's free for you if you head over to, again, photobizx.com forward slash joy of marketing. And I've got links to that in the show notes as well. Just before I close out this episode of the podcast, I was interviewed last week by another photographer, Bonnie Sindlar of Happily Ever Photo. I've linked to it in the show notes. It was a fun, short interview, just over 20 minutes. And if you want to hear a little bit more about me, my background, my photography business, my photography and my thoughts on success, go and check out the interview that Bonnie recorded with me. Again, I've got links to it in the show notes. And you'll also find interviews there from Bonnie with other popular photographers that you may recognize some of which or some of who have been featured on the photo biz x podcast i hope you enjoy that one if you go and check it out Alrighty, that is it for me for this episode of the podcast massive thanks again to sarah for coming on and sharing everything she did i do hope you go and check out the show notes and everything that sarah has to offer what an absolute powerhouse when it comes to photography business and don't you just love hearing from a photography educator that is actually in the trenches and running a real photography business at the same time that is so so cool all right that really is it for me i am going to wrap this up 
Go and grab a beer with the guys down at the Bright Brewery and get ready for another big day on the bike tomorrow. All right, looking forward to seeing you inside the members Facebook group. Otherwise, I will chat to you next week or on email, wherever we might connect. Until then, stay safe, healthy and well, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest. 